Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories, the football podcast that gets under the shirt. In today's episode, I'm joined by YouTuber and Binday Brewing Co's Robbie Knox. During our chat, I find out about Robbie's start in the TV business, spending his 20s working at Soccer AM and more latterly how he's grown his own YouTube account. Robbie also talks to me about his new brewery, its progress so far and his aspirations for the future. Later, and as always, I asked Robbie to pick out his three favourite football shirts. Remember, you can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow, share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by video producer, YouTuber, and more latterly brewery owner, it's Robbie Knox. How are you, Robbie? I'm very well, pal. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, mate. I'm really delighted uh, we've been able to get the time in for this. Uh, I've been looking forward to having a chat with you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, too. I like football shirts, so I'm keen. Wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff. So, um, Robbie, I wanted to first kind of um, talk to you about your YouTube account. Your background is in video production, right? Yeah, so to give you a brief history, I went to university, went to Canada for a year, came back, worked at a TV studio for a year as a runner, just making tea, then went to Sky and worked at Soccer AM for seven years, then right. somewhere else for a couple of years, then started my own production company, and more recently, I started doing YouTube. So the YouTube's kind of span out of your expertise in video and stuff, and you produce all kinds of content, right? So a lot of it's kind of in-depth conversations with people, but other times it's like, funny content about like your everyday life as well yeah it's kind of anything really because i think the idea of the youtube is that if, if you can sort of make some income from doing it um it, it frees you up to do what you want you become sort of independent of location sort of thing it, to a degree yeah. so i didn't want to be i didn't want to do just one type of thing because it means you're sort of stuck doing that forever which i think is it's the hardest way to grow on YouTube because it's not like if, if I just I do some skiing videos, if I just did skiing videos, it's quite easy to get an audience. I think of people who like skiing yeah. videos sort of thing, but then then they'll, they'll much subscribe for that and then come back a week later from taking the bins out. And they're like, OK, this isn't isn't quite right. So I think it's I think it's a harder way to grow. But I think it's at the end of it, if you do well enough, I think it just does give you that freedom to do whatever you like. That's nice. You create freedom. So you, you've got over like 100,000 subscribers. Like how long have you been yeah. working at that, doing it? 
So I started, um, I'm trying to think when I started, probably 2018, okay. I guess. 2018, I think I probably started doing it. Um, yeah, summer, early to, early to spring, summer 2018, I'm, I'm going to say, I guess, but that might be wrong by a year. But I right. think that's right. Um, and yeah, and it's just, just kept going through there. I've had some times where it's, I've had big booze. I was in a video that Jack made, did where he was about his favorite YouTubers and uh, oh no, he was talking about ranking YouTubers and tier list and put me really high up like, level with KSI on this thing. And then wow. in the weeks following that, I think I probably added about 50,000 subscribers then. And then wow. I just carried on since then. But I mean, it's because I sort of do it on the side of work, it's it's there's times when I'll get a big boost of subscribers and then I won't do much for a bit. So if if you were like anything, if you're consistent, I think it, it will. I'd have grown quicker, but it's, right. I'm enjoying it. Well, I guess like collaboration seems like a really key part of that growth, like you were saying. So, Jack, mate, with someone that you mentioned, you've been involved in his happy hour podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I did. He's he got me on that once just to talk about soccer AM stories, really. And then I came back on, I think, for like a Halloween or a Christmas episode or something like that. And then people were generally quite positive about me yeah. and so I've been I've been back on it um a few times and then eventually just got me on as a co-host with along with Stevie right so, yeah I love doing that it always strikes me like the, the community on YouTube it is like I say it's very much about collaboration and it's working with people meeting people seeing what you can do together merge your audiences and that kind of stuff yeah I think I like that's what attracts me to it to be honest because I think there's like coming from TV is quite competitive. I think it's like I remember when we were we weren't really like that at soccer AM, but I remember at soccer AM we wanted to play a music video for a band that we had on. So we could we play the new video, yeah. And they said like, oh no, you can't have it because Zane Lowe Zane Lowe's show wants to play it first. Okay, I remember thinking and it wouldn't it wouldn't be Zane Lowe, it'd be the the production team, whatever like that. But I remember thinking, well, are you like ten years old? Why do you care if you play a video? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like it's it's. it's it's so it was so weird um whereas i think youtube is is much more collaborative people will work together and, and there's that sort of feeling of like a rising tide lifts all ships and, and everyone yeah. will do well if, if they you work together so so yeah that really attracted me to it nice nice we're talking about that kind of like free license to do things as well that you touched on we were just talking off air there i've been really enjoying the content you've been making you've decided to start your own brewery yeah so in in what i worked out is that doing with YouTube, like for people who don't know, if, if you, once you get to a certain level, you can get ad revenue from YouTube, which basically means that once people, when people watch your video, YouTube plays adverts and you get a proportion of the money from the adverts. And so um, I don't make a, a huge amount of that generally, but, but most videos I do, I'll probably make uh, about 50 quid on an average video or something like that oh, okay. from, from that. So which means that you can sort of, do you can try any idea anything up to the value of 50 pound for free as long as you made a video on it <laughs> okay. so i did a video about starting a wormery that was under 50 pounds something and i saw in lockdown one i thought okay there's these beer making kits and i can make some beer and it's just under 50 quid so i could probably do that for free yeah. so i sort of did that and then it went well and i was surprised that you could make beer at home i knew i knew beer is like four ingredients yeast malt uh, hops and water but I didn't know it was easy to do in your kitchen relatively easy to do in your kitchen and because it seems like the kind of thing you need a factory for <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, it doesn't yeah, seem yeah. that simple 
Um, and I was also surprised that it was nice because my memory of home brewing kits was in like the 90s when our friend's dads would brew beer in their kitchen and it would stink. And yeah. the reviews were never good. There were always jokes about people's homebrew being like disgusting and all this. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. so I was surprised it was nice. And, and I played, and it wasn't the way it's supposed to taste. It was like a, a beer, a sort of brew dog Elvis juice kit. It didn't taste anything like Elvis juice, but it did taste fresh and nice and okay. like actual beer. And so then, since then, I, I, then I got some more brewing kit from some people, someone, a friend of a friend basically just gave me some old brew kit, which was fantastic. Um, and then from there, we went, um, and then and then I took that to a brewery up in, in Grimsby that Lloyd Griffith introduced me to called Doc's Beers. And while I was up there, they said, look, do you want to do a collaboration beer right. with us? And then my friend Mike had been sort of doing a little bit of brewing with me, and and we just sort of said, look, should we start? A little business and the idea of it being that it's the, like, the youtube breweries we share everything that goes on yeah. with viewers and then we can um uh, so we share everything that goes on with viewers and then, and then they can sort of come along the journey and then eventually the long-term aim would be to start a physical brewery you could collaborate with youtubers so get max fosh in to brew a beer or something right. like that and do and do things like that and 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 go from there so We've done a we've done a collaboration that's been released with um, Docs. We've done something with S forty three up in County Durham. We've okay. just done something that's not out yet with Lervig, who are quite a big brewery out in in Norway. Right. Um. And and we've got some other things in the pipeline, sort of thing. So it's been really enjoyable doing it, and and yeah, I'm loving it. That's really cool. So how how has that been received by the like the craft beer community? Is that very different to the YouTube community that you're used to working with? Yeah, I mean, the craft beer itself is a very sort of collaborative space as well. I think it's right. that's what I quite liked about it was it's like YouTube is that people will do these collaborations together. Yeah. In terms of the breweries, I mean, they're quite good because they're not they're good at a lot of them are quite good at Instagramy stuff, but not them not a lot of them do much on YouTube. I mean, within a day of starting our YouTube channel, it was the second biggest craft brewery YouTube channel behind Brewdog sort of thing wow. so it, wow. so not that's not a, ma a massive thing because not many of them do stuff it's got more I think more than either one of Carling or Carlsberg we've got more subscribers than one of them sort of thing quite quickly okay. could be a, people haven't traditionally told their stories particularly well okay. on YouTube um in terms of craft beer fans it seems to be positive so far it's quite a sort of the real sort of craft beer people are into new stuff. Like a lot of them don't drink the same beer twice or very rarely will or something. They're always looking for a new thing. And, yeah. um, and so the fact that we're doing new things is probably beneficial to that. We'll see how that goes. But to be honest, if, if it's such a broad audience, you can sort of do things for, for all different things. You can do things for the people who want the new things all the time. Yeah. But then also a lot of my viewers will drink Holston or right. or Fosters or something like that. They're not craft beery people, sort of thing. So there's there's that real mix of people. Do you know what I've really enjoyed about what you guys are doing is that it's very much story led, like you say, narrative led. But I think you've been honest all the way through and just saying, look, I'm just trying something here. We're not experts. We're working with people who are experts. Come and follow us on the journey. I think that's what's so engaging about it. Yeah, I think people. I think as long as you don't pretend to know stuff that you don't. Mm. I think it's fine as long as you're, it's coming from a genuine place and you're going, I've, I've brewed a bit of beer. I've enjoyed brewing beer. I want to carry on brewing beer. I like to, 
delve into doing it on some form of professional level, but I don't know anything about running a brewery and, yeah. and take people along the journey. I think it's fine. I think, I think when I was younger, I probably thought, Oh, you've got to pretend that you know stuff or that. Whereas I think it's, it's a position of strength to say, I don't know the answer to this because no one does. There's no way when Barack Obama walked into the White House, he'd have been like, I don't know what to do now <laughs> to a degree. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't know what's yeah. happening president. No one does. So you've done it sort of thing. So I think, I think everyone goes into new, new things, not knowing. And you, and if you ask the questions or are honest, I think people are, are, are quite receptive to it and are keen to help. People like showing off their knowledge. Very nice, very nice. So, and, and the idea there is to have like a physical brewery, like you said. Then, I think, yeah, yeah. The long, the long term aim. Well, we'll see how it goes. There's no. We might find out that we don't enjoy it. We might find out that it's it takes up too much time or whatever, or it's yeah. too hard or whatever, or or whatever. But the the long term plan would be to start a physical brewery in Norwich that you could then do content from, and it would almost be like a like sort of documentary on running a brewery then because you can sort of you have people in there all the time you can get characters coming through from yeah. that it can become away from just being because at the minute it's it's me and mike but most of things are coming from my audience from youtube and stuff like that so you could try to make it its own standalone thing that becomes less dependent on me um and and build that up and also the thing is by, by going this way around a lot of the time people We'll raise money because it's not cheap to start a brewery. You, you yeah. struggle to do it for less than 150 grand sort of thing. That's probably about the minimum you could realistically do it from. And even then you'd probably want a bit more. Yeah. But I think people raise money, in, in some cases get into quite a bit of debt, start a brewery and then try and find an audience for it. Whereas if you do it the other way around, it opens up things like crowdfunding. And if you are going to be the YouTube community's brewery, it would be nice for rather than just the crowdfunding where you can give us some money and you get a t-shirt or something like that. If you did equity-based crowdfunding in whatever form that is, yeah. and then people who are buy into the story and like it, you go, okay, you can own a bit of the brewery. And then at the end of it, if it becomes super successful, they could make some money out of it as well. Yeah. Sort of thing. I, I mean, equally they could lose their money if it all gets wrong, <laughs> but, um, but it gives people a chance who are passionate about it to be co-owners of, of a brewery and then give those people perks and access and stuff relevant to that and yeah that's the that's the sort of plan one of the plans of funding it because yeah, yeah. quite a lot of people say oh, i'd love to invest in this but i think we'd ideally like to get people who are involved in it rather than just faceless investors like name on the wall kind of thing that's interesting yeah and all that and stuff like and you could do stuff like you could have like beer festivals for people who have invested or stuff like that or access for things like that or different levels or you could get pick people who invest investors to come down and help brew beers or something like that or name things there's so much you could do getting people involved and i think if you can keep if you treat people rather than just taking their money and forgetting about them yeah, yeah. if you go you're you're a co-owner of the brewery and you're constantly involving them in things and making them feel part of stuff and going hey we've got a decision we want to do this or this what does everyone think yeah. Um, in whatever platform that is, um, then I think it will people feel more involved in it and, and want it to succeed. And then if you own a bit of a brewery and you're buying some beer, there's a pretty good chance you're going to go. Well, I'll probably buy beer from the brewery I own. Exactly, so it yeah. works. It works well. And also, you get if you're because we're doing a podcast at the minute with the brewery called Yes Sir, I Can Brewery. It's been a bit sporadic early on because we're just sort of 
trying to find time to do it and working out the best way to do it. Yeah. But the idea of that is um, you can get knowledge. If you've got a problem, if you go, hey, we need to we need to rent a van to do this, but we don't know anything about vans. What sort of things do we need? You're going to get people listening, going, hey, I've, I'm an expert in vans. This is the one you want. Yeah. We hired this van. It's not very good for this. This won't work because of this. Or people going, hey, I've, I'm a... I lease fans will give you a good deal or something. Like that. You'll get people who are involved in the journey getting involved and, and contributing and hopefully solving problems that you have along the way because of the honesty and because they want to get involved, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> we'll right. see, it's, it's that collaborative thing like you're talking about, right? It's, it's working together yeah. to achieve the greater good, which I really do like. So it's called Binday Brewing. Where, where can people get the product? Is there a website? At the minute, so there is, the. at the minute, we are, we haven't, because of the way we're doing it, if you want to buy physical beer, the only way you can do it at the minute is, at the time of recording, is s43brewing.com, uh, which okay. is the brewery we last collaborated with. We've got did a, a pair, pair of IPAs called uh, Pacific Days and Atlantic Nights that are both using the same base hop, but two different styles, a West Coast and East Coast IPA. Oh, okay. uh, I think they're really nice. I, I, I'm a big fan of those. That's the only place you can buy the beer, because at the minute we don't want to have to hire a premises to store beer and have to get the licensing that comes with all that. So we're doing that. If very soon there'll be a beer, a a lager um, with Lervig, the details to follow on that. Um, uh, So if you, if you check out the Binday Brewing socials, we're Binday Brewing on Instagram, Twitter, most active ones. And then you'll find out about that. I don't know quite how you'll be able to buy that yet. We'll, we'll, we'll find okay. out. The long-term plan is bindaybrewing.com. So if you, I tell you what, the best thing to do is to go to bindaybrewing.com and sign up for the mailing list because that will get you access before everyone else to any new beer stuff. Perfect. Love it. So, so Robbie, I, we, we touched on it earlier, or you touched on it, in fact. I, I, it would be remiss of me not to ask you about Soccer AM, which is obviously such an, yeah. an iconic program, an iconic football program. Um, how did you first get involved in working with that? I was working at a TV studio in Wandsworth uh, in London, where they did things like 15 to 1, if you're okay. uh, old enough to remember that. Uh, and the, the, yeah, I worked on the first year as The Weakest Link as well, things oh. like that. So a few different things on there. And it was, um, I, just, I was just I was a runner, I was making tea, I was putting towels in dressing rooms, check, doing little jobs along the way. But it's the traditional first rung into TV. And a guy I knew called Dan Trelfer, who's also a YouTuber now, he's very good, he um, was working for Tim Lovejoy, who was the presenter at the time's agent, which was called Avalon. And he knew that Tim was looking for someone to work on Soccer AM in a, in a junior role. Mm-hmm. He knew I watched Soccer AM because I talked about it quite a lot. And he said, why don't you send them a CV? So I sent the CV off, got a job interview, got the job. And that was that was it, really. Right, so, nothing, right. so, so, so through luck in some way, but also it's, it's because I've... I met Dan doing student radio. So it's through doing media stuff. Okay. And, and just putting yourself out there that, that leads to it. So remind me of some of the characters then. There was the Colonel and Ginger. You were you were Ginger, right? I was Ginger. So I was I was Colonel and Ginger. So Neil Smythe, who's now operations director for Hashtag, the mm. YouTube football team. He um uh he was Colonel and I was Ginger. So I was a mute bisexual alcoholic Air Force pilot, essentially. <laughs> um i didn't have any words it was the best it was the best job to do because neil had to learn all the lyrics yeah lyrics had to learn all the lines and, and do the things and all i did was just say like dra dra and yeah. 
and it would get most of the laughs. So it was, it was the greatest job. I did a thing called Fixtures Man that was basically uh, a joke. I never really got it. was basically a character who did the fixtures because you go, ladies, all different things. Yeah. Yeah. In the mega shed. Um, <laughs> so I did that. I, and then I did things where I just went out as me and just interviewed people in the street. And I get called Tramp because I had long hair at the time and, and a right. beard. Um, cool. and then and so that but around the other time other things that were on other people did like Fenners who presents it now did a character called Barry the Scotch Expert um, Sheepheads did Topless Weather Outside there were quite a few little, little character, re, re, repeating characters that went on around that time so were you part of the team that was writing that at the time as well then in the background yeah so we were in the production team so I never went in, in into it intending to be on screen or, yeah. or that was another part of the thing what would basically happen is you'd be there a couple of weeks and then to say oh, we need someone to be an old woman in this sketch can you be an old woman and just stand around in the background and so you'd go and do that and then it'll be right we need someone to do this and if you didn't mess it up too badly or if you were yeah. good and professional and did all oh, right you just do something else and then it would build things so fiction just came from a one-off joke that people liked so it came back the next week and just yeah, yeah. went on like that so yeah so yeah it was it was but people would come up to you and go, like, are you all like, what do you guys during the week do during the week? And I go, like, we'll make the show. So yeah. my first job was was were like getting props and getting costumes in, doing stuff like that. And then eventually I moved on to more editing, working with editors to edit things, going out and shooting things. Yeah. And then my stuff became mostly guest stuff. So it was all um, like, in some cases, booking the guests or someone else might book the guests. And then I'd, I'd phone them up, write the interviews, make sure they got there on time. Uh, make sure they um, brief them on the show, get them on set yeah, on time, yeah. take them away, take them to the pub after, and send them home. Yeah. Uh, whilst also, also I was doing music, that was another big thing I did all the music for the show with. So I'd listen to all the music, work out ideas, take it all to oh, Tim, cool. Lovejoy, and we decide together what we did. So yeah, that, it was it was it was a great job to do in your twenties. I loved it. Yeah. What is it like? I mean, we're talking sort of 10, 15 years ago, right? What is it like when you've got people like me and people like kind of walking up to you in the street and wanting to talk to you about that, recognising you from that all that time, even after it was quite, length of time, you know. It was quite weird. It was, it was a bit weird, but it's not, I don't think people talk about fame being good or bad. Mm. And, I, and I'm using fame in the loosest possible sense, but in, in that sort of, in that sort of tw- 20s male audience, if you went out to the pub on a Saturday night, someone yeah. would always come up to you sort of thing so it was it was being relatively famous in this in a certain section of society but I don't think it's good or bad I mean there's advantages or disadvantages of it sort of thing there's not um but people were generally really nice because yeah. no, everyone liked the show I think it's different if you're famous for being horrific or something or if you're divisive <laughs> but, we, but even even with you even when people come up to YouTube now all my YouTube stuff's quite nice no one's I'm not slagging people off I'm not I'm not uh, Boris Johnson, I imagine, gets a real mix of people come up to yeah. you know, I mean, sort of thing like that. Um, but I, I think, um, I think it's just a different thing, and and sometimes it gives you opportunities, and sometimes there are disadvantages to it, and that you lose a little bit of that privacy sort of thing. And, and it because yeah. you 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 can be in a place talking to friends, and you sort of become aware that people have recognised you, right. and the people you're talking to aren't aware of this. And you're sort of carrying on the conversation with someone. You're also aware that someone over there is talking about. It. It's quite weird. Yeah. Which is, and but not in a not in a nasty, not in a bad way or something. You you just are aware of it a, a lot of the time. Um, so it's I don't know. It's, it's just it's just a thing. But then equally, you get opportunities. You'll meet people and they'll go, 
hey, do you want to come and do this? Or, or, or you yeah. get opportunities that you went otherwise. So it's just a, a thing rather than, I think, a good or a bad thing. And it depends as well how you react to it. And, and if you get caught up in it, I think it can become problematic if you tie your life up in it. Yeah, of course. You see some people do. And um, yeah. Nice. Nice way, nice way. So, like I say, it's an iconic thing from uh, from my twenties too. So um, it must have been amazing. Yeah, and yeah, it was, and it was. As I say, it was a great thing. I wouldn't want to do it now because you lose your Fridays evenings, you lose a lot of your Saturday sort of thing. It wouldn't work for me personally. Having kids, I'd lose yeah. up a lot. I'd lose a lot of time. It was long hours, but at the time when you haven't got any responsibilities in your twenties, it was fantastic. Um, and, and at the time, I, I was aware of. We were aware of the. I guess sort of cultural significance at the time and that it was in the terms of things quite sort of special for what it was and it, it did when I left that I was thinking I don't really want to work in TV because there's no shows I like more than Soccer AM at the time sort of thing right. I was I was looking around I was thinking there's very few shows I'd want to work on I don't want to go and work on T4 or on this okay. show that I hate something like that so it was it was in it was it was I was aware at the time of what it was, I think, and I think we all were. Coming up, Robbie shares his football kit memories. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So look, Robbie, should we talk about some football shirts? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so the question I ask everybody on the podcast is, what do football shirts mean to you? I think uh, as a kid, I think I think they're 
it's identity first of all i think if if i think i think whatever you wear is is says something about you people don't just pick random clothes yeah. you don't go and just pick a random thing from asda to wear you you, <laughs> you say something like that at um but i think when you're young it, it, obviously it's, it's my my kids are where they've started supporting norwich we moved to norwich in the summer uh, my seven and four year old so they wear those and, and identifies them as norwich fans i think also it's it says things about things you've done like quite i know myself and quite a lot of people will me less so now but when i was younger i would if i went abroad somewhere i would buy a football shirt yeah from that place and it sort of goes i've been to here this is this tells you some sort of story about your life or something that you've you've done there i very rarely will just wear a random football shirt even though i've got occasionally i will where I like I've got a Belgium shirt from the 2000s that I got from when I was at soccer because you get shirts sent in and there'd be a lot hanging around the office in the case yeah, you bet, just yeah. take one and so and about it's a shirt I just really quite like it as a shirt it's got a weird shirt to to wear randomly but generally they mean something too if you are if you are going to wear it sort of thing and I've got some sort of slightly weird shirts as well that I like like FIFA I've I just work for EA Sports and when a new FIFA comes out they tend to send me the game and it will come with a sort of limited oh, edition cool. FIFA 22 shirt sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know where it is. We've got it around somewhere. Um, <laughs> so so there's things like that that you get sort of weird ones. And I've, I know there's football shirts I've played. In, we played in the first at soccer. We played in the first um, game at the new Wembley Stadium when it was open to the public because you wow. can't just you can't open Wembley. It turns out I didn't know anything about opening stadium. You can't just open a stadium and have the FA Cup final in it. You have to have what they call ramp up events where you test it with 20,000 people or, and then maybe 40,000 or something like that. So that, so you can test all the sort of security and the facilities and everything to make sure okay. we're well, stress testing, if you will. So we played the first one. They gave like, I think 20,000 tickets to people who lived locally to come down and see the new stadium. And we played in a, in a tournament there. So I'm the, I am technically the first goalkeeper to win a trophy at the new Wembley stadium. Wow. Um, uh, so I've got my shirt from there that I've meant to get framed for, probably well since that was, was that 15 years something to <laughs> opened. so i've got that in a, in a box somewhere but i need to i intend to, to get it framed so um I, they they mean most football shirts I, I own will mean something to me right nice so let's talk about your first shirt that you've chosen robbie it's the liverpool home shirt from 91 to 93 by adidas tell me more it's my favorite football shirt i'm a liverpool fan i grew up in kent in the 1980s Okay. And my friends supported Liverpool. They were good. So, uh, and then when I got a bit older, I found out where Liverpool was. I was like, oh, that's very inconvenient. <laughs> that's that's a real going to be a real issue to get into games. Um, so I don't get me wrong. I've had lots of good times supporting Liverpool. Been to a couple of Champions League finals. I was, at, wow. I was in Istanbul when we won after being three 0 down against AC Milan. Hmm. Um, but um, but this is my favourite kit. It was it's so clean. It's basically it's the one with. If people are magic, it's the one with it's the Adidas one. Candy is the sponsor. It's got three stripes along the arm, and it's just pure red. And it came off the back of one of the worst Liverpool kits, which is the sort of flecked, yes, um, candy one, which is like the sort of like, these little. It just looks like you've got dandruff. Essentially, <laughs> if you wear it. It's, it was a horrible kit, horrible kit. And even as a kid, I was like, "This is absolutely disgusting." And you came with this really sleek thing, and it's the time. It's the reason. I did the school run today and I'm wearing Adidas trainers with three stripes down the right. side of it. It's because it was so cool at the time. These things impact me. It's the reason that when I'm buying trainers, my first choice normally will probably be Adidas rather right, than right. Nike or whatever else. I think because these things, you pick a team with like 
clothes early on, don't you? You go, I'm into this because of that. Um, so I think that's um, that's my dream, certainly my dream Liverpool kit. Yeah, so it leaves its mark on you, leaves its mark from childhood. That's really interesting. Yeah, and I wish I, I, I had, I'm sure I've still got it somewhere. I can't believe I've, it would have been thrown away, but I can't find it in any boxes or something like that. But yeah. I'm not, I don't know how old I'd have been then. I'd have been 13, 40s. The thing is, back then, shirts were quite baggy, so there's a chance yeah. if I really slimmed down, I might be able to get into it, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure how realistic that is. <laughs> so, Rob, your second choice is the Scotland World Cup 98 home shirt by Umbro. Yeah, it's not a great football shirt, if I'm totally honest. It's, um, it's, it's got that sort of slightly tartany, there's too much going on on it. It's yeah. got the tartany colory bit on it, but it just reminds me of probably my favourite World Cup, not because it was necessarily the greatest tournament, although it was, it was um, very good, but it, was, it came at the end of my three years at university. I was living in Norwich still for it. It was right at the end of the, some of the best three years of my life. Um, right. England, and I'm a Scotland fan, but England and Scotland were b- both involved in it. There was a lot of, sort of iconic things going on. It was the last World Cup Scotland have, have been in and, yeah. and it was just a brilliant, brilliant summer of just watching football, hang out with friends. Um, just just a great time to be alive. It comes straight after Euro 96, which was fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just brilliant, a brilliant tournament and a brilliant, um, a, a brilliant time for me personally. So very much a time and place thing for you. What was it like? Yeah, rather than the kit itself, yeah. Fair enough. Like, so, look, I'm a Scotland fan as well, and obviously, I've got an English accent like you. What was yeah. it like for you growing up a Scotland fan with an English accent? Uh, absolutely fine, because it's not like it's different if you did it the other way around. I think because you're like choosing. Like, my, I basically, I've never lived in Scotland, but my my parents were to Scotland. It was from a young age. Oh, our whole age was Scotland. They got drummed into me to support Scotland, sort of yeah. thing, and I did, and I, and I loved it. Um, so I think it's quite an easy thing. No one's really going, oh, you're a glory hunter, because yeah. you you definitely aren't. So it's quite easy to do it. Um, it's quite nice because Scotland fans in general have a much better reputation than England fans, because I know I'm not lumping in all England fans. I know there's lots of England fans who, who are great. But if you look at occasionally people on Twitter will go to me, so I say, oh, um, if, I mention, if I tweet something about, yes, sir, I can boogie, They'll they'll go. Oh, imagine the best thing about being your team being the song you sing. I think. Hang on, your team, your fans this summer smashed up Central London. I've got yourself a a stadium ban because yeah. you broke into the stadium. There was a lot of booing of the knee and lots of racism sort of stuff going on there as well. If we're singing a song, <laughs> that's not that bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, and and I am saying it's obviously very much a minority, um, but I think it's quite. I think Scotland fans are quite pleasant generally. It's quite inclusive. And yeah, there is the sort of rivalry with England. I'm personally not of the I want England to lose camp. I always start each tournament wanting England to do quite well. Right. But then by the end of it, because because it's more exciting in the country. If England are in a tournament, it's better because the whole place is excited. It's great. But what happens through it is... England fans are so obnoxious to me throughout it. <laughs> they can't just, they can't, like, like, I don't, like, West Ham beat um, Liverpool. I'm not going to, like, at the weekend, 
that's that's great. West Ham are, are traditionally have been the underdogs. They're having a great season this season. Right, right. That's fine. It's weird if I start going, ah, you lost, or something like that. It's like I find it weird when like Man City pump Norwich and they're going, oh, everyone's like, ah. Oh. Man City fans go, yeah, we thrashed you. Of course you did. You've one of your players you bought this summer cost more than the entire Norwich squad. Of course you yeah. won. Do you yeah. know what I mean? This this is sort of it works in different ways. And I think a lot of England fans don't get that. And as a right. result, they're they're like, ah, like like hammering. And then so by the end of the tournament, what I'm trying to say is by the end of the tournament, I'm like cheering on Germany in a penalty shootout. Whereas at the beginning, I want England to do well. So right. it, and I would. Like I wanted England to lose the final this year. And I was absolutely delighted when they did. Yeah. But I but going into it, I would quite happily want England to win it if England fans when I said to Scotland, essentially. Fair Jack enough. Mate was a lot of it this year. Jack Mate was quite a lot of slagging off Scotland. He was the reason I wanted England to lose. Yeah, I noticed that myself actually. Yeah. Um, how did you feel then in the Wembley game? How would you have felt if Scotland beat England at Wembley? I'd have been absolutely delighted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want I want Scotland to beat England every time. Yeah, 100 percent um, but it did feel like a victory because it yeah. was it was because we outplayed them and it was a draw. And people are going out, oh, and again, people are saying you're um, oh celebrating a nil-nil draw. Yeah, of course you are, sort of thing. It's 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 because we have massive underdogs yeah. in that game. It's it's a population of I don't know what five six million people compared to I don't know what it is. I think fifty million. These are rough, 50, rough think, guesses yeah. at numbers, yeah. sort of thing. So it's it is. Um, it, 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 you, you, it's like saying to um, Norwich last again, picking up Norwich, Norwich last season. Oh, why are you celebrating winning the championship? We're in Europe <laughs> because it's, it's different things. It's different, yeah. different levels of success for different teams. For and and the other good thing about supporting Scotland is that they, the best Scot- a Scotland team has ever done is reach the group stages of a tournament, yeah. which means. When Scotland reached the group stages of a tournament, they are the joint best Scotland team of all time. This <laughs> summer was the joint best Scotland performance of all time. So it's like it's like um, in nineteen. Let me go back a bit to, to for younger view, listeners. But in nineteen ninety, when Cameroon reached the quarterfinals of of the World Cup, it was this great story, really yeah. exciting story. It's like and then oh, you got knocked out in the quarterfinals. We reached the semis. Like well, yeah. <laughs> They're Cameroon is different, I think. So, <laughs> so I think for Scotland, it's it's it's. I think I remember talking to a Blackburn fan who said the worst thing that ever happened was Blackburn winning the league because really? now it's so depressing. Because he goes, he goes, it was great for a year. He goes, but now it's like, oh, do you remember the time we won the Premier League and now we're rubbish? Oh, <laughs> Something wow. is like that sort of. He says it makes it like you go back and go, oh yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Um, okay, I don't know how much truth of that there is for everyone, but. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I, I can't remember what I was saying now, but but that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we as we were recording, Scotland might be on the cusp of getting to the playoffs for their first World Cup since '98. So, fingers crossed, brilliant pair of us. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's, it's looking good. But but like, it's, it's what, what I loved about being a Scotland fan is um, when we were in the playoff. I can't remember who it was against now. Um, Serbia. Yes, um, in, the, in the playoff final there, and and. Um, when they equalised in the last, um, in the last minute, and all the all the all my English sporting friends, because then all my English sporting friends are wanting Scotland to get through. That's the this is the time right. where I'm going. I'm bonding with everyone. They're wanting Scotland. They're going. Oh, I can't believe it. Go. I, I'm like, oh, you sweet naive things. This happens every time. <laughs> it always gets to here. Lovely that you think. Lovely that you didn't expect this to happen. But I was like, yeah, yeah. this seems, seems about right. It's the penalty shoot that was the unexpected bit. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But it'll be incredible, incredible to 
see Scotland in the World Cup again. Absolutely. So look, your, your final uh, shirt you've chosen, Robbie, is a team with a little bit more success than Scotland. It's uh, Barcelona home shirt, 92 to 95 by Kappa. Yeah, I got this. This is one of those trips abroad. I got this when I went away to Barcelona. And in the sort of 90s, you'd quite often get the sort of rip-off market mm. shirts around. Do you know what I mean? The ones that you... Like my first ever Liverpool kit I got was one my mum bought me from Sittingbourne Market. You had okay. to sew the badge on a red shirt yourself. And nice. it was like... So it's the embarrassing one to have something. But this is like buying... She had to seek out the actual shirt. I think I managed to persuade... Um, I didn't have the money or whatever, I'll save up to get this shirt myself. And what I like about this is it's a great shirt. It's a shirt of like a great period of time. Like I think it was like Romario, Stoichkov, yeah. Laudrop maybe, that sort of era of, of, um, of, of Barcelona. Yeah. And also what I love about it is it's the shirt from 1992 to 1995. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that never, never happens now. Like, and, and it was a sort of time where you wouldn't necessarily change shirts. You change shirts normally if you change sponsors or change kit manufacturers a lot of the time. It was, there was a reason to change a shirt. Yeah. And I like that. It wasn't just every year we're going to bring out three shirts to rinse as much cash out of you as possible. Yeah, you could yeah. be Barcelona and you go, we're just going to hang on to this kit for three years. <laughs> I love it, yeah. I mean, there's some really nice design touches on this one, like the, the script in the collar, the Barca script in like different yeah. colors, half and half, and the kind of imprint as well, the Kappa logo, the Barca writing again. It's quality shirt, this one. Yeah, and it's a, it's a kit manufacturer that you didn't really get in Britain as well. It was like mm. a bit cool, this Kappa thing, it's a bit cool. And I still own the shirt, and I, it's the only football shirt I wear other than to play or watch football. Do you know I mean, I'll wear Scotland shirts to watch it, but I don't, I'm not that much. We'll wear a Scotland shirt around. I won't wear a Liverpool shirt around. I won't um, wear this. And I wear them to play football or something like that. But I will watch. But it's the one I think it's such a cool shirt. I will wear it as a fashion item yeah. out and about um, now. And it still fits me from whatever year it was I bought it. So. Yeah, I love it's it. It's tighter than it was. but it's <laughs> Slimmer fit, slimmer fit. I like it. Well, it was a baggy, it was a period of baggy football shirts. So now the baggy football shirt now fits in with a more slim fit pattern. It's perfect. <laughs> Robbie, that was absolutely fantastic, mate. Um, thanks so very much for sharing your football kit memories with me. So people can find out about um, Binday Brewing on bindaybrewing.co.uk, you said? Bindaybrewing.com. Um, so yeah, just go there if you want to sign up for the mailing list and you'll keep get updated on the latest things. If you want beers now, you can go to s43brewing.com. Um, Lovely. But, yeah, and and... Yeah, it's come join join the adventure. Follow you on YouTube as well, Robbie Knox and socials. Yeah, look, yeah, YouTube. I'm Robbie Knox on Twitter, Mega Robbie on Instagram. You can you can find me if you, if you know how the internet works, people. Just yeah, just use the internet and find me in whatever way you want. Lovely stuff, mate. Well, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much. Brilliant. Cheers, Craig. Thank you. So there you have it. Massive thanks to Robbie for sharing his football kit memories with me. Remember, you can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you follow Robbie too on YouTube, his socials and follow his Binday Bruin accounts. The music you heard was produced by Eva Led. You can check out his music on his Bandcamp. There's links to absolutely everything I mentioned there in the notes section. And finally, thanks to you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word. Give me a follow on social and subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice. Sharing is caring. And other than that, I guess that's it. Until next time, I'll catch you later.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.